With Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are under uh, underway this hour on Flames Talk. It is Tuesday, October 31st. Welcome aboard from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Yeah, Steinberg along with you. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Well underway this hour. And uh, lots to talk about as we say hello to our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. Some Big Flames things to dive into and also some important league-wide issues to get to as well. Frank Saravalli brought to you every Tuesday on Flames Talk by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Hello, Frank. How are we doing on this Tuesday? Have you thawed out from the Heritage Classic? I, I have. You know what? Weather was great. I mean, if you, It was I, unreal, wasn't it? All you have to do is live in a cold weather climate for a few years and just wear the clothes that you're used to wearing. And uh, it was it was plenty warm. I thought I thought it was perfect weather on Sunday and it was cool to it was cool to have you on our pregame show. And and it was cool to have you down there by ringside. It was it was just a that was a pretty neat experience and a very well done event, wasn't it? Chef's kiss. Just absolutely perfect weather. Uh, I thought the event itself was a 10 out of 10. Look, um, everything about it from Nickelback to the flyover to the fireworks, the moment of silence for Adam Johnson, like everything, the right note was hit. It looked great. And you ended up in a roundabout way as everyone wanted to make every joke that you could about it being the toilet bowl you had two really desperate teams and you saw the desperation come out in the flames after that tough start. And I'll say this, this year has been really disappointing. There's no question. And we'll get into all of it, but that team could have rolled over and it could have been seven or eight to one. And they did show a little pushback, which I thought was a good sign. Yeah. And uh, another strong outing for Jacob Markstrom, who really kept him in it in that first period, as you said. So it didn't turn into a runaway first period. And, you know, it's 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 been a rough stretch. There's no doubt about it. And I know there was a lot of frustration about the way the Flames came out on a national stage against their arch rival in a spot where both teams needed to show a high level of desperation. And, and it's, it's got the temperature even that much higher in this market, Frank. There's a, there's a lot of talk about that R word and, and whatever R word you want to use, rebuild, reload, retool, reshuffle, whatever term you want to use. That word has been thrown out a lot as of late. And, you know, we've been talking for the last uh, 48 hours or so about how, you know, Sunday we talked about this. Monday we definitely got into the fact that it, it right now there's a, there's a wait and see on both of it, on, on both the UFA side and the Flames side to be like, okay, let's just see what the heck is happening here. And anything that maybe was progressing has been geared down on for the time being. and As it should be. Probably the way it needs to be on both sides, right? Well, I think, yeah. I think you're you're reaching a point with the way this has devolved with some players sitting there going, hold on a second. Is this 
the team that gives me a good chance to compete over the next number of years of whatever a deal may look like. And the team is sitting back saying, well, if this is a continuation of last year and we're going to be a non-playoff team, why would we lock ourselves into all of these same guys that already aren't doing it and are going to be years older as their contracts continue to progress? It's not an individual player thing, but I think for both sides, it needed to come to this point at this exact juncture. And I think for tomorrow being November 1st, we've arrived at a critical point of inflection for the Calgary Flames. They need yep. to determine who they are, where they're going, and and who they're, who's going to be going with them. And I think that's always healthy to take stock. I think you don't want to be doing it this early in the season. But I think one thing that's really stood out to me is in a market where I believe ownership has said we're not going to rebuild – because they don't think um, that the marketplace is up for that. I've got a real sense that the marketplace is hungry to do something a little bit different. That in Calgary, yeah, fans are ready for a change of pace. And not to say that anyone's signing up for let's lose interminably until we can get it right. It's just that continuing to throw good money after bad in the sake of trying to be uh, a fringe playoff team is not something that anyone has any interest in. And at some point I've said this to you before um, when someone continues to tell you who you are, you got to believe it. And I'm not a hundred percent of the way there, but as we inch closer to the quarter mark of the season, I'm starting to get a little bit more of that. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, in in my opinion, I think a few a few more weeks of taking stock is probably okay if that's the way they want to go about it. But I get the sense that Craig Conroy is willing to pivot here and is willing to move away not just not just move away from the idea of re-signing the UFAs, but even in the types of trades he might make for a Noah Hannafin or Elias Lindholm. Like I, I think they would be willing to pivot. And even if it's not a full-on teardown to the studs like a Chicago or or other teams that we've seen, you know, getting assets, getting future pieces, getting prospects or really young NHL players on top of picks. I, I do get the feeling that if they make the decision to trade these guys, that they would be willing to go in that direction, which I, to your point, I think this market is, is really hungry for. They're eager for it. They're just, it's been the same thing for a time, a stretch now of close to a decade where they arrived at, at another inflection point um, you know, a couple summers ago with the Huberto trade and and saying goodbye to Johnny Gaudreau. And I think there was a question mark then, do we try and rebuild this thing? And the answer was no. We think we can be a competitive team by making these moves. And to date, that hasn't translated. Even as close as the Flames were last year with everything that went wrong, I think you got to shake it up a little bit. The team now... They're saying it themselves in so many words without saying it. Nikita Zadorov told you a lot of what you needed to know that something isn't right. And I don't know how Craig Conroy gets to the bottom of it, but whether it's wholesale changes or um, 
changing out a chunk of the roster. Like we've seen other good teams make some pretty seismic moves and find a way to be competitive again. And there's plenty of examples from around the league that you can point to and say, hey, there's a team that sort of retooled on the fly and are now getting back to being competitive. And I look at one of them, you don't have to go very far. It's it's very early, but look at the way that the Canucks have played this season to mm-hmm. start. They've got core pieces that they're envisioning having around for a long time. And maybe they don't have the exact contract structure that um, the Flames have, but I'll give you another team is the Dallas Stars. That's who I was thinking. And you got the Sagan and Ben deals that people look as as sort of anchors or albatrosses. And now you've got, you know, Rupe Hints and Jason Robertson. And you, you even added a player in a, 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 he was 37 at the time, 36, and Joe Pavelski, who's been lights out. And it helps when you are able to draft a, a class like the one that they had, um, getting Ottinger and Haskinen and those guys all in one run. But it's, you got to have the picks in order to be able to pull something like that off. And the Flames, they just haven't had that type of, um, capital in their arsenal or ammo to do it. If they were to pivot and and say that we are talking about in the next month or however long a Noah Hannafin trade being worked on and materializing and Elias Lindholm trade being worked on and materializing and and we'll go with those two in particular just because they're, they're clearly the two best assets the Flames have if they want to go down that road and that's not a knock on the other guys but you know these are young high-end players that teams with with really good cap hits that teams would be very interested in bringing into the fold like is this is this a situation where the flames can get multiple first round picks and multiple other kind of high leverage assets from a future standpoint is is that the type of package they could get for these two guys you're saying if you move them all at the same like not, in, not in even, one deal or like it's just an aggregate just an aggregate yeah i think that's entirely possible you'd be looking at multiple first round picks Plus, plus, plus. Yeah. Um, you know, look at the rental markets from years past. And then now can that some of those guys that were moved had much larger cap hits that teams had to really jump through hoops and do cap gymnastics in order to get there. You're not dealing with the same type of um, issues this time around. And they're also kind of younger than your traditional type rental. So if that were to be the case, um, I, I think they'd be in prime position in order to try and capitalize, particularly when it comes to someone like Lindholm. Um, I think Hannafin, what was most fascinating to me, and, and I don't really know how hard the Flames pushed it this past summer, but I, I just, I never really got the sense that there was like an, a, an overwhelming trade market for Hannafin. And, and guess what? I can't put my finger on why that is the case. Is it is it because he's a left shot guy? I don't know what the answer is. Do do teams see his game differently than how I see, or or maybe how the Flames view it? Maybe. Um, and I'll throw another name at you. I know he he struggled the last couple games, but I think Zadarov would yeah. give you a pretty decent return too. Well, I even think if you wait till the deadline specifically or right up to it, I you're telling me like a team that is looking to add a little depth on their back end and and 
looking Tana. for for exactly a guy that that you can slot right in on a on a shutdown pairing in the in the blink of an eye. Chris Tanev, who also just happens Hello, to have a Toronto right Maple shot. Leafs. That's who I'm. That, that's one of the first teams I'm thinking about. And when you talk about Hannafin, the name that comes to mind for me is is Hampus Lindholm, who was traded in 2022, slightly older uh, than Hannafin is right now, but around the same age, and he got. He got a first-round pick and two second-round picks for the Anaheim Ducks. And I'm not saying it would be identical to that, but something in that ballpark for a guy like Hannafin seems fair. But Yeah, right. I think I think he's on a different level, personally. But I Higher think there's definitely... I, I think Hampus Lindholm is on a different level than okay. Noah Hannafin. Okay, so a higher level than Hannafin is. Yep, yeah. but still... Um, Age and all those other things considered, cap hit, it, you're not incredibly far off. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think you have to take it a step further and say, if you're really doing this, is there a way to find some type of suitor for Jacob Markstrom? Is there a team out there that has legitimate playoff and contending aspirations whose goaltending is struggling Cam Talbot has really settled in the last couple games and I think taken some heat off of the Kings. But if you were to, let's say, retain a little bit, because the Flames also haven't retained on anyone, they don't have any of their slots used, could you find a way to take Mark, someone to take Markstrom off your hands and you solve your own goaltending uh, conundrum with, with Wolf? With Darren Wolf, yeah. Well, I mean, Buffalo comes to mind. Um, a number of teams come to mind that are in kind of that Hey, what are you? Could you? How much better could you be with goaltending? Um, that's that also. And and look, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be moving and pivoting in a different direction, I don't think gotta consider off everything. The table. Yeah, hundred yeah. uh, percent. We're chatting with Frank Saravalli. He's our daily faceoff NHL insider. Joins us Tuesdays on Flames Talk. Frank, we talked at the Heritage Classic on Sunday, and you know you kind of made the point that geez, if the Oilers make it five consecutive losses and they come out and lay an egg in, in front of sixty thousand or fifty five thousand in their own city, geez, the the temperature gets that much higher, and maybe all of a sudden the urgency to make a change gets ramped up. Well, that doesn't happen. They win the game five two. Just curious as to where your read is on Edmonton and their situation right now. Yeah, I think some of the heat is off. I think, you know, the way they responded outdoors was pretty important. Um, McDavid still wasn't, like, completely at full peak McDavid mode, obviously. There was no human video game component to Sunday's game. It was very, like, meat and potatoes type of approach, which I think Edmonton actually needed. Um, they showed up appropriately dressed for how their game was, um, which they needed a hard hat lunch pail game. Evander Kane wanted to put someone three rows into the, into the stadium. And, you know, they were hungry for pucks. I thought that was the most positive development because we had talked in the pregame about how both these teams have had really inconsistent efforts that have been alarming. And that part, I think, you know, really helps. I, I do think the Oilers also got a little bit of a talking to. I think they had Ken Holland and Paul Coffey come in at some point over the weekend leading up to the game to say, hey, what what kind of team are we? Are we going to be average, good, or next level? And that's really where part of that came mm. from. 
So I think um, the Oilers are not out of the woods by any stretch, but I also think if you were to take a, you know, a couple of those losses that they actually played pretty well in and you add in that, that's not how hockey works, but if they were, you know, five, you know, four and four or whatever it is, probably feel a little bit differently about the start than you did. And they really needed it. Um, can you give us a little bit more on this Shane Pinto 41 game suspension? It just, we, we know it's gambling related and we know that it's 41 games, but the actual raw details still seem very fuzzy. I know that you've done some good reporting on it and, and there's been some other reporting on it out there, but I, I don't know, at least to me, it, it feels like for a suspension that hefty, there, the 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 details still remain very fuzzy from the league. Well, they're going to because they're you're not going to get any clarity. The league and the players' association and the player have all entered into an agreement where they're not going to be sharing any more details and speaking about it. So, what you see from the league and the PA is what you get. This was a negotiated settlement. It was outside of. Uh, the commissioner discipline angle that's in the CBA. So there was not even an ability to appeal if they wanted to, uh, because this was all negotiated out. Um, the details to me are the easiest way to explain it is the league does. This is what I've been told through sources, just to, to give you some background that the league does at various points during the year and off season, what you would call an integrity sweep okay. where they work with their partners that are, you know, gambling or sports books and also an integrity service itself. It's called sport radar who does it for the NHL and they run names through databases of, of people with accounts. So that includes players, coaches, team employees, executives, whoever, has a connection to the game. They run their their name and their legal name through these databases to see, are there any things that stand out, any irregularities associated with this account? And what they found was some kind of connection between the uh, Shane Pinto and a third party or proxy um, sort of account. Now, I don't know what the connection is. I don't know how it's connected, whether it's um, his brother, uncle, cousin, aunt, dog, sister, whoever it might be, someone is was placing bets on hockey and there was some kind of irregularity that flagged within the NHL system. And obviously Shane Pinto and his cooperation as part of the investigation copped to something where that has... Um, you know, risen to the level of the NHL deeming it a 41 game suspension. Right. Okay. That's, uh, that's good to know. I appreciate that clarity. Um, and just, just a last note. I mean, it will, we'll end it on a, on a somber note, but obviously mm-hmm. the, the horrible incident over the weekend, um, where Adam Johnson lost his life in the uh, EIHL and it, it all of a sudden has ignited the conversation and rightfully so about neck protection in the sport, neck protection at all levels of the sport. I'm just curious as to what you're hearing on that from NHL players, NHL teams, NHL decision makers, so on and so forth. 
Well, it's a it's an ongoing conversation, and it's one that the NHL is going to continue to have with the Players Association. And this is one that's actually not on the league. I remember a couple GM meetings ago. This is a couple years ago now, where we had a, a similar sort of gruesome skate cut. It wasn't on the neck or anything like that that ignited this same debate. And the pushback from the PA was we like individual player freedom of choice. And I respect that. If you've listened to me at any point over the last number of years, you know that I'm all about freedom of choice. But in this case, I think it's so easy to, you know, incorporate into your repertoire, your equipment as a player, like TJ Oshie, you want to hear a chilling story. So Saturday morning I'm in Edmonton and I'm scrolling through social media and TJ Oshie has an apparel company. It's called War Road. It's named after his hometown, War Road, Minnesota, also home of the Christian Brothers. And he created a piece of equipment that hasn't been used before or I haven't seen on the market, which is cut-resistant garment that you wear under your equipment that includes both neck protection and wrist protection. You can look it up. It's there's been other ones out there that have the neck protection, but not both on one garment before one undergarment. Mm. And I said, this is every hockey parent's worst nightmare. Saturday morning, I logged on and bought one. And this happened Saturday night. I had an absolute pit in my stomach. Point being, these things are preventable to a certain extent. I don't know with a, you know, a freak one like this, if, if it would have been entirely pre- preventable. But I think you have to at least go back and ask the question now, is the NHLPA doing enough? And as uncomfortable as it might be or uncool as it might look, I I think you have to put the best interest of the players here um, at heart and really consider making a change once and for all to to grandfather these in. Uh, Yeah, and... uh... Yeah, I, I, I hope that I hope that we take a step because that's that's everybody's worst nightmare. It, it truly, truly is. So, um, appreciate uh, appreciate the perspective, my friend. Uh, are we still uh, are we still dressed as a Hanson brother right now? I, I am. I'm okay. actually sitting here with my mullet wig on and my my taped glasses, and I got a little blood trickling down from my nose. There, it's uh, pretty awesome. Good stuff. Uh, One of my favorite holidays of the year. <laughs> you, uh, I saw the picture online. You look good. Uh, thanks, Frankie. We'll do it again next week. Hey, good to see you on Sunday. Have a good week. He's Frank Saravalli. He's our daily face-off NHL insider as uh, he joins us every Tuesday here on Flames Talk. And he joins us brought to you by South Trail Exports with inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SelfTrailExports.com. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, it's Flames Talk on a Tuesday. What's going on? It's Steinberg and Garen Vickers of NHL.com is with us. Hi, Vix. Hello, Patrick. What's shaking? Not much. Not much. It's, uh, hey, we got some news on this, uh, on this Tuesday when it comes to Flames, some recall news, a big return to the lineup as well. Let's dive in on both those topics on our Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Get the chance to drive a brand-new GLC 300 with zero down for $1,099 a month. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. Steinberg, Vickers, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable on this Tuesday. And let's start with the recall. 
because it had a lot of people excited on Tuesday morning. Connor Zary gets the recall from the AHL's Calgary Wranglers. He has had a hell of a start to the season in the American League. Wilsey, he was one of the big stories all throughout training camp, and we wondered if Zary might have a shot even to start the year in the NHL. He doesn't. He goes to the American League to start and gets off to a great start to his season. What do we think about this recall on Tuesday? Yeah, and that's uh, great to hear and great to see, isn't it? Because uh, I think about last season when Jacob Pelche got sent down and he didn't necessarily handle it the best. And he admitted as much after the fact. So, you know, seeing Connor Zary have a, I would say, a second straight strong training camp in preseason, get sent back to the American Hockey League and then get off to a great start with 10 points in six games with the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, I think that shows you how he's developed as a person and as a player. Uh, I'm sure it was hard for him to go down at the start of the season, but uh, he went down and did what he could do, and that's play his best hockey and uh, wait for an opportunity, and that opportunity has arrived. And uh, the Flames are obviously a team that's uh, having a, a tough time scoring goals and winning games right now. So, you know, a guy who's got 10 points in six AHL games should help them offensively. Uh, should uh, maybe spark some guys who could be wondering if uh, he could potentially steal their job. And uh, he's a guy who I think we're going to see on the power play based on what we saw at practice today. So excited for Connor Zary. And, you know, with the team going through a tough stretch right now, and uh, I guess at the top of that list would be uh, a loss to the Oilers at the Heritage Classic uh, on Sunday. Uh, pretty good PR move calling up a guy who's a former first-round pick and who's off to a, a great start as well. Yeah, this is just another opportunity of youth being served, and it was talked about so much over the course of the summer in training camp. Connor Zari doesn't necessarily get the nod straight out of training camp, but as you mentioned, Wilsey goes back to the Calgary Wranglers, puts in the work there, 10 points in six games, as you mentioned, nine of those assists, six-game point streak to start the season as well. And I'm like you, I'm I'm up for anything that'll jumpstart Calgary's offense. He had a great season last year. His, his year-over-year growth, Last season was a strong point for him. He had 58 points in 72 games last season. As you mentioned, he comes in, has a second straight great camp, parlays that into a great start to the season at the American Hockey League level. It is a lot to ask for the latest prospect to come up to try and jumpstart an entire offense. And you mentioned the opportunity he'll get playing with, with players and playing on the power play, things of that sort. It is a lot to ask for out of him, but overall I'm happy for the kid to get a chance. I, I love it. I think it is. Uh, I think it's time I think it was probably even time last week, but with Rasmus Anderson's suspension, they had to look maybe on the blue line for an AHL recall before they went down the forward uh, the forward path. And guys, I think had had Anderson's suspension not been a part of the conversation, yep. um, I, I think that this probably would have happened prior to it happening on Tuesday. Like I, I think that this might have happened last week, and we might have already seen him make his NHL debut, but Solovyov played the two games, and, and he got his opportunity in Anderson's wake. So Solovyov goes back to the American League, and in comes Zary. I love it. I, I don't think that anybody is looking to him externally or internally to jumpstart this offense or to be an offensive savior. But as Blake Coleman said in the locker room after practice, just even, even again, much like Solovyov coming in a little energy and a little, uh, just a little bit more exuberance and enthusiasm or whatever word you want to use. I, I think this, this group could absolutely use it right now. Plus, 
why not give a guy who's lighting up the American League, why not give him an opportunity to see if he can give even the slightest shot in the arm to Calgary's offense. So I think I think it's a smart move. I think it makes sense right now. I think it's a really good time to do this. I like the fact that he got plopped right onto power play too. So an opportunity to um, an, an opportunity to succeed right off the get-go and put him on a line with uh, top nine players. He was on a line with Kadri and Sharon Govich. Like give him an opportunity to be able to succeed right from the get-go. And yeah, I'm 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 happy for him too because he clearly is deserving of this. So Craig Conroy talked at his introductory news conference about wanting to be a little bit younger and give players more of an opportunity. Well, Coronado's played every game so far. Solovyov got an opportunity. Now Zeri's going to get his opportunity to make an NHL debut, and we're not even 10 games into the season. So I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's a smart move, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's funny, Pat. I was just about to go there and give credit to Craig Conroy, who said that young players were going to be given an opportunity this season that, quite frankly, they were not given the past couple of seasons. And that is exactly how the Flames have gone about their business. And I'm going to give Ryan Huska some credit. He said the same thing during the offseason. And he's also said something during the regular season that he's backed up. He, he said, if guys don't play at the level we need them to play at, I'm going to take away ice time. I'm going to sit them down. And he didn't say this, but I'll take it a step further. Maybe they get sent to the AHL, right? So the the general manager and the coach are holding players accountable right now. And, and they should be. I mean, the Flames have lost five in a row and are 31st overall in a 32-team league. So, you know, guys have to be held accountable. So, you know, I'm excited for Connor Zeri. Uh, I think any time a guy gets called up, it uh, puts – at least some players on notice. And the other thing about uh, Zeri's start to the season that's really impressed me is that he's got 10 points in six games despite a position change. Yeah. So he's slid yep. to left wing. And I, I think it's great that you call a guy up who's versatile, and the Flames have a lot of forwards who can play all three or, or at least two forward positions. But, you know, he's shifted from center to left wing, and he's still been very productive. That can be challenging for some guys, but to this point, it, it hasn't been for Zeri. Yeah, he's managed to adapt his game as he's continued on as a pro. You mentioned the position change and adapting there as well. And he'll be, according to the trusted Pat Steinberg on the right side with Sharon Govich and Kadri. That's what we kind of observed this morning yep, at practice. That's what it like. So again, there's another opportunity for a young prospect to get in the lineup and an opportunity to make an impact. And listen, it's going to be a lot to ask of him to jumpstart Nazem Kadri's production, the $7 million price tag that he comes with. And Sharon Govich hasn't necessarily been the most productive player this season yet as well. But just the, the fact that you can inject some youth onto that line, you can inject some of that enthusiasm, those first game vibes. Maybe they can find something uh, in terms of the chemistry, in terms of just the sheer energy that Connor Zary is going to bring playing his first NHL game, if, if indeed he does. Well, and the other thing that I would say, guys, is that, you know, there's been a lot of negative surrounding the flame start to the season, and rightfully so. It's been an awful start to the season, and, and especially this last stretch five where they can't score. And, like, there's there's been plenty of things to not be happy about, but you know, you've got a Wranglers team with a new head coach that starts their season 5-0-1-1, so they're six games into their new season and have yet to lose a game in regulation. They've got guys who are producing, and there are multiple players, Wilsey, that if you, if you were to look to the American League, you could make a fairly salient argument that, oh, that, that's a guy that in certain circumstances could be recalled. Adam Klapka's scoring, and, and he's 
making the most of his sophomore season after almost making the team out of camp. And, you know, you've got a good start from from Pospisil and even some of the blue liners down there. I know that Jeremy Poirier is hurt, but he was off to a great start to the season. And Solovyov's already been recalled. Like, the fact the Flames, and we haven't even talked about Dustin Wolf, who is always there lurking in any of these conversations. So the fact the Flames, Craig Conroy and Brad Pascal can look at that Wranglers team and say, hey, there are five, six, seven guys that we could viably recall to the NHL and and be happy with. And it wouldn't be, you wouldn't necessarily be squinting to see how it would make sense. That's that's a positive. That's, and, and there haven't been a lot of positives, but that would be a real positive to start the season. Absolutely. And for someone who spent 13 years in the AHL, I can tell you that this will motivate the players with the Wranglers because the last couple of years, I guarantee you guys thought, doesn't matter how good I am down here, I'm not going to get a chance. I mean, Matthew Phillips lit that league on fire for a number of seasons and got a total of three games. But now, because the Flames are giving young players an opportunity and recalling young players and inserting them into the lineup right away like they did with Soloviov and like it looks like they're going to do with Zeri, that's going to motivate every single guy on that Wranglers team who thinks that he's got a chance to get called up. So, yeah, I think it's a great thing, and uh, I'm excited to see Zeri because I was impressed with him in training camp and preseason last year, even more impressed this year. He's off to a great start, and for a team that's having trouble scoring, I'm not sure he's going to score a lot of goals. He's only got one on the season, but if he sets them up and maybe gets, uh, not that it should be his responsibility to get Nazem Kadri or anybody else going, mm-hmm. but uh, if he does, <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, Wilsey, and again, you'll know this better than anyone, but you absolutely, as an NHL organization, need that push from underneath from your minor league team. You need those young players pushing. You need that competition. And to be quite frank, when you're the 31st team in the NHL, nobody should feel safe with their job, even though the job security and the salary and whatnot's there. There's no spot that's safe when you're not producing the way the Calgary Flames have started with a 2-6-1 record. It's our uh, Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg on this Tuesday edition of Flames Talk. Guys, as Rasmus Anderson returns to the lineup on Wednesday against the Dallas Stars, he's now served his four-game suspension for the hit he uh, laid on Patrick Laine in that game in Columbus. Um, you know, you, and, and he was on a pairing with uh, Mackenzie Weger once again, so Weger moved back to the left. Anderson on the right at practice. How... How much did the Flames miss Anderson over these last four games? A lot. And I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, they were 0-4 without him. And I'm not saying they would have been 4-0 with him, but I don't think they would have been 0-4 without him. Um, I I said this last week. I'll say it again. Everybody loves to win. Not everybody hates to lose. I think Rasmus Anderson is a player who, yeah, he loves to win, but I also think, Hey, he hates to lose. As a matter of fact, that's why I think he did what he did to Patrick Laine at the end of what was about to be a 3-1 loss to the Blue Jackets. I'm not saying it's right because it wasn't. He hurt himself. He hurt his team. But I believe that's why he acted the way that he did because he was pissed off that the Flames weren't playing very well, that they were about to lose to the Blue Jackets. He didn't like it. Didn't handle it right, but didn't like it. And I want as many players who hate to lose as I can get. So he's going to come back. I think he's going to believe that he let his team down and his teammates down and his coaches down 
And I think he's going to have something to prove. And that Rasmus Anderson is a number one defenseman and a guy who can help you at five on five and is going to quarterback one of your power plays and who can be tough to play against. He loves to chirp. We know that. Chirps his own teammates, for God's sake. But uh, certainly chirps the other team as well. And he's an emotional guy. And at times this season, fellas, I think this has been a team that has lacked a little bit of, of emotion. I think they lacked emotion, I don't know how, but to start the Heritage Classic against the Oilers on mm-hmm. Sunday evening. So he, he's another leader inside that room and uh, a guy who clearly makes the Flames better. And uh, let's hope that uh, the last four games are the last four games we'll have to play without number four this season. I kind of liken this conversation to the one held up in Edmonton about Connor McDavid's return to the Heritage Classic. And I'm not suggesting that Anderson is McDavid, but it's the how important is getting your best skater back conversation. And Anderson's the best defenseman for the Calgary Flames. He's in your top pair. He plays over 23 minutes a night. He plays on both special teams. He's one of your key leaders, as you mentioned, Wills. He wears an A. I'm not sure it can be understated what he means to the blue line and what he means to the team as a whole. So it's that, oh, ha, ha, what, what does getting your best skater back mean for your group? Well, it means the world. And it means the world yeah. at a time where uh, the sky is falling and you've lost five in a row and you've only scored six goals in that span and you're off to a two, six, and one start. You mean you've only scored 11 goals at five on five all year, fourth worst in the NHL. You start layering these things on and you go, oh, what does it mean to get your, you know, your best defenseman, arguably your best skater um, outside of Markstrom, maybe the team MVP, that kind of sort of thing with how things have unfolded so far this season. Yeah, it, it certainly means a lot. And to get a guy, as you mentioned, Wilsey, that plays with emotion, there's been a lack of that, I think, at times. I think the Flames have clearly been guilty of a lack of emotion at times. And he's one of those guys that can energize a group. As you mentioned, you can do it on the ice with his play. You can do it with a chirp. He can do it any number of ways. So to get Rasmus back in the line, Rasmus Anderson back in the lineup for the Calgary Flames is absolutely key. Well, and the other thing, Willsy, to your point about you know their record without him, I don't think it's a coincidence. The power play has looked extremely pedestrian without him. I don't think it's the only reason, and I, I definitely think there's some work to do there. But you lose that's your that's your quarterback of the number one unit, and uh, ever since Anderson's been out, that's looked quite pedestrian. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's any. Any coincidence, they've scored five goals in these uh, last four games without him uh, because he also impacts your offense in a lot of ways. Even when he's not getting uh, involved with goals and assists, he's a guy that is able to make good first passes out of his own zone and helps transition the play to the offensive side very, very well. That's one of his best strengths. So you, you lose you lose one of your most mobile defenders, you lose the defenseman with the most offensive upside on your team, and all of a sudden you score five goals in four games. I don't think there's a massive coincidence there either. So, yeah, they've, they've missed no. him a lot. And and it's, you know, NHL teams don't make excuses, and we hear that all the time, and, and rightfully so. But to sit here and say that they they haven't missed him and that it didn't make a detrimental impact on them would, would just be a lie because it, it definitely did. And getting him back also puts you in a position to be able to change the look of your second power play because with him out and with him unavailable to quarterback the first power play, they've used Noah Hannafin as the quarterback of one and Mackenzie Weger as the quarterback of the other. What we saw today was Rasmus Anderson quarterback in the first power play 
And then we saw, I think for the first time this season, guys, two defensemen in Noah Hannafin and Mackenzie Wieger playing the points on the second power play. So I think that could be a key for the Flames in getting their power play going again. If you can come at teams with two different looks, you've got four forwards and one defenseman on the first PP. You've got three forwards and two defensemen on the second PP. I think that could potentially spark your power play too. So for um, a number of reasons, I think getting Rasmus Anderson back is going to be huge for the Flames. And guys, I've got to believe he is going to be extremely motivated to, uh, to pay back uh, his teammates and his coaches and Flames fans for letting them down by by doing something that he shouldn't have done in that game against the Blue Jackets a couple of Fridays ago. So I think we're going to see a really motivated Rasmus Anderson. And uh, he's a really good player at the worst of times. And at the best of times, he, he's a guy who can really help you win hockey games. So mm-hmm. uh, excited to see him back. And Willsie, just to extrapolate on that point, it's a buzzword and it's a catchword, whatever you want to call it. But having Rasmus Anderson back, your number one defenseman, you can take it to the power play, you can take it to even strength, but it just allows for better slotting of your six defensemen in the lineup. And yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, there's 120 minutes to be had amongst the two blue liners and he's playing 24, 25 minutes a game at times. It's a big chunk of what you're, uh, what you're trying to do out there. So, I mean, getting him back just puts everybody back one more spot and, and strengthens the defense as a whole. And quickly, one more thing. Yeah. I've talked a lot about the fact that I think the Flames need to funnel pucks to the net and get bodies to the net. I don't think they've done a good enough job creating second and third opportunities. They've been one and done way too often. Rasmus Anderson, he has the best shot amongst their blue liners. So if if he can put the puck on net and guys are willing to go to the hard area in front of the net, and I know it's not easy to go there, but guys are going to have to get there some way, somehow. I think that uh, his shot is something you A, have to defend, and B, that uh, can potentially go right on the net or at least create some chaos, which could lead to some much-needed second and third scoring opportunities for this yep. team. Uh, next up for the Flames is they try to snap this skid. They'll try to snap it at 5 Wednesday against the Dallas Stars with Connor Zary and Rasmus Anderson in the lineup. Those were uh, our topics on today's Daily Flames Roundtable for now. Uh, thank you, Wilsey. We'll do it again on Wednesday. Thank you, pal. Sounds good. Have a good night, guys. He's uh, Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. There's your Daily Flames Roundtable. A few texts at 960-960. This says Zeri's been developed properly. Some time in the American League would help Coronado as well. That comes from Mick. And and I'm not saying that Coronado won't see time in the American League. I wouldn't do that yet. I think that I, like, for instance, I've I've felt like he's been back to being a little more effective of late compared to what we saw from him for a few games there. I'd keep Coronado going. It looks like he's going to get an opportunity in a new spot and, and maybe use him a little bit down the middle. We'll see if that ends up coming to pass in Wednesday's game against Dallas. But I do think that the, the Zeri development has been a strength. And even listening to Ryan Huska after practice, and he talked about how, you know what? Zeri did what we asked him to do. And, and basically what Ryan Huska said was, We sent him with a task to go back to the Wranglers and do something or do things that set you apart from the rest of the team and from the rest of the group. And while you take a look at the numbers he's put up and the pace he's played with and the offense and all that type of stuff, he's been a first liner. He's been productive. He's done it by moving to the wing. And I, I think that he is 
accomplish that mission that was given to him about going and doing something uh, to, to set himself apart. He has to this point. Yeah, and we heard from Trent Call, the coach of the Calgary Wranglers, on Monday and was very complimentary, Zari. And how can you not be when you have a six-game point streak to start the season? You're sitting seventh overall, tied for seventh overall, in scoring in the entire American Hockey League. He's done what was asked of him. He's done it at a different position. He's playing with more pace. He's being productive. The fact that the Calgary Flames haven't necessarily played with a lot of pace. They haven't been productive at five-on-five. Five. The power play, as you mentioned, Pat, and... Like nothing's really clicked for the Calgary Flames offensively in recent history. So why not look to your farm team? Yep. You've clearly identified a player that's checked a lot of boxes that you've asked him to check. He's earned the opportunity. So you bring him up and, and make sense to put him in, in my books. Uh, this text says, uh, did anyone have to be sent down to bring Zeri up? Well, the answer to that question is yes and no. On On the day of... No, they didn't have to send anybody down. So as of Tuesday, they were fine. And that's because on Monday, the Flames sent Ilya Solovyov back to the American League. So when they recalled Solovyov, they were at 23 on their active roster, uh, including Adam Ruzicka, who I, I just, I wonder if there has been a slight setback because Ryan Huska told us on the coaches show going into Thursday's game against St. Louis um, that even though he wasn't going to play that game, that uh, they, they thought he might play. Um, so Ruzicka did not play in that game. Obviously got hurt Tuesday against the Rangers. Uh, didn't play against St. Louis, but, you know, that was was expected to play. Um, and they thought he was going to. And then he was a game time for Sunday's Heritage Classic. But he hasn't really practiced of late. He about half practiced on Friday at Seven Chiefs. Was kind of a very limited participant Saturday at uh, Commonwealth, didn't play on Sunday, and then didn't practice on Tuesday morning today. So he skated prior to the main group. on his own. Yeah. So I just I wonder if I'm not saying there's been a massive step setback. I just wonder if there's been a slight setback in that you know maybe it wasn't quite as ready as they thought. This is still not a long term thing, and they were optimistic right from the start that it wasn't going to be uh, long term. So that remains good news. But you've got Rizicka who is not able to go right now and you send Solovyov down now there's an opening back to 22 you've got the cap space with all the players they've got on LTIR and there's the opening for Connor's area and again I think they probably would have done this last week had they not had a suspension in in the case where they felt that they needed to go and and bring somebody up on the blue line from the American League and yeah again to go back to the initial hit the second he hit the boards, Adam Rizishka hit the boards, my initial reaction was, ooh, that is long-term. Because it didn't look pretty. And then the word trickles out, and, and you do some investigating, and okay, maybe it's more short-term than long-term. I'm okay no need if to that's rush. still, yeah, yeah. Take your time with this. Make, it, it's so much easier to come back when you're closer to 100% than forcing it when you're at 60, 75, 80%, particularly with upper body in, bo- upper body injuries so there's no sense to rush him back into the lineup i know he can provide offense i know the calgary flames have lacked that but no problems taking him along slowly if that's what he needs uh he's aaron vickers on twitter at aa vickers my name is pat steinberg our producers this hour we've got uh, taylor and cam along with us that's your daily flames roundtable brought to you by mercedes-benz country hills book your winter detail package today for 349 dollars mercedes-benz country hills minutes from the calgary airport